Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to video episode number 59. And if you're listening on the podcast platform, season three, episode 17 of Music is Not a Genre. Each week I take a release from my collection, I discuss it, I give you my take on it, I throw in some interesting stuff Reno, and I connect it to my music, other music, and other things in the world. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and clicked and shared and listened and watched, shared and subscribed. If you are a Patreon member, thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you for being a part of this at all. Uh, fun fact, by the way, speaking of Patreon, this is actually my 233rd week doing this. Not anything special about that number, except that I wanted to say it. Uh, most of the early ones were text and photos only. I used to call it the Thursday throwback track. Uh, I may publish them someday, and if I do, they will be on Patreon. Uh, you can see some of the writings like this. Those are notes. Uh, so this week is a continuation of my new series. It's Death is Dumb, Volume 2, STP, The Reinventor's Edge. So first of all, I'm going to get out right away. Before we get into this, yes, I am old enough to remember that there was a product called STP was a motor oil or something and uh, the tagline was the racer's edge so that was the reference I was making there I honestly don't know what that STP stood for um, not really a racing fan uh, this STP however is not that this is of course Stone Temple Pilots um, and so the best place to start here I think is where they kind of came of age, where they became popular. Grunge was a thing, right? Grunge, grunge was a huge thing. Uh, it was born in the 80s. There were quite a few good bands in the 80s that were grunge that no one knew about. They're very underground. It blew up in the early 90s, uh, was hugely successful up and through the mid-90s, and then got co-opted by both the industry and, uh, you know, later bands into a kind of almost parody of itself. And I will refrain from mentioning any of those bands' names out of respect for them, Nickelback, uh, because everyone has done their absolute best, whether they were early in the grunge scene at the peak of it or, you know, later on uh, co-opting the sound, Nickelback. <laughs> um, now, listen, so trends come and go, right? And the bands that last, the bands that can outlast trends, that are not defined by trends. So what did grunge bands do when grunge kind of had its day and, and, and um, you know, other things took over? 
Uh, some of them quit. Some of them, uh, frankly, didn't survive it. Uh, some uh, doubled down and stuck with their sound and maybe ended up doing kind of grunge tours and, uh, you know, the circuit, basically, the, the live circuit. Didn't maybe put out any new material as far as uh, recordings go. Some evolved, like Pearl Jam, who evolved almost immediately, in through the mid-90s even, uh, into uh, a much richer and fuller band uh, that had more elements than just the grunge to them. Uh, and some reinvented themselves in various different ways. Um, you can kind of say Foo Fighters is that way in that Dave Grohl took what was grunge and turned it into something else, you know. Um, STP, Stone Temple Pilots, really was a mix of the, the last two, the evolution and, and reinvention, and honestly did also do the first two. There's a point at which early on when they doubled down on the grunge, you know, thing, and later on, when they quit, they just, you know, and, and I think if you know any of their history, you understand why they quit and everything. And I will get into some of that, right? Uh, and, and this is the thing. Stone Temple Pilots always seemed to me like the odd child out of the mix when you're talking about bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. And, you know, those, those to me are always the big four. And I know there are more, you know. Um, like the wonderful, wonderful people at Candlebox. More on that later. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots, you know, when they started, you wouldn't be at fault for thinking that they were just trying to imitate what was already out there because the the sound that they had and the kind of plodding kind of, you know, production and the, the way uh, Scott Weiland sang... Uh, was very much like it could have been an offshoot of a, of a Nirvana or, an, or, or not Nirvana, I would say more Pearl Jam or Alice in Chains. And a lot of people thought, oh, he's just imitating that kind of grunge voice, you know, like uh, singing, you know, bombastically in a, in, a, in a sort of a, you know, deeper metal way, I guess you could call it. And I did. I frankly, you know, in that first, uh, their, their song Creep and the one, and even Plush, and even though they were good songs, they weren't my favorite band then during the core years, their album Core, which I don't have here. So that's evidence that they were my favorite band. Um, but they had depth and range from the get-go, so they were, you know, destined to go somewhere more than that. Uh, they started in the 80s, actually, on the West Coast, I believe, uh, as a band called Mighty Joe Young, but I'm pretty sure that there was another band of that name. So when they, you know, had to change their name and they changed the Stone Temple Pilots. Um, you can go ahead and look up why they did that. That's not why I'm here today. Uh, and Mighty Joe Young, by the way, if anybody knows, it was sort of a you know, lighthearted knockoff of King Kong, in a way, is how I would put it. A movie from the, well, I want to say, 50s. Um, could have been late 40s. I don't remember. Used to watch it as a kid with my family. They did a remake of it in the last 20 years. Didn't see that. But that's where they got the name from. So Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, when they hit Purple, the album Purple, which I also don't have, the song Vaseline came out. That's when my ears went, whoa, wait a second. There's a rhythm there. There's a way that the, even the guitars are being done. There's something even that Wyland's starting to do with his voice that really started to pique my interest. I was like, okay, I'm going to listen and see what happens. 
Uh, it was somewhat of a retread in some ways of core, but not, but it certainly moved forward, right? But it wasn't until this album and people listening, what I'm doing now is holding up the album, uh, Tiny Music, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop with that swimmer on there with the swim cap in front of the pool. And I will put that down the front now. Uh, that's the album that really, for me, went, oh my God, these, these are not just grunge hangers on or imitators. They really know what they're doing and are trying to do a bunch of different things. Uh, I mean, there are songs on, on this album that to this day just, you know, uh, blow me away. And unfortunately, I'm looking here for the list. Isn't this great? You get to see this. But there's a song I used to do a lot when I did um, Coffee Houses and Acoustic, and it's a Lady Picture Show. And it's just a beautiful song. That's nothing like... That's nothing like what they did on Core and Purple. Even Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart. Not not really what they did on Purple, you know? So these are just a couple of the songs that are on this, I mean, Big Bang Baby. When that came out, I thought, okay, so now Wyland is taking his voice and morphing it from kind of an Eddie Vedder imitation into like a punk John Lennon. There really was a John Lennon tone. If you listen to Big Bang Baby and tell me that it doesn't sound in some ways like John Lennon if John Lennon was, uh, you know, was more punk. Not that he didn't have his punk elements in some ways. Um, but that album, oh my God, like just, I, I, I was hooked and knew that from that point on, I would listen to everything they did. So then they released this album here, number four, which has uh, the song Sour Girl, among many others, but that sour girl again was like, oh, wow, so they're going somewhere else now, you know? And if you know anything about the kind of music I like, you know that I like bands who are willing to bust through genre, who are willing to uh, experiment, even if the experiments don't always work, who are willing to stretch themselves. And the two elements in Stone Temple Pilots that really enabled that to happen uh, were our uh, the DeLeo brothers and and Wyland. And not to say that the other members of the band, did, of course, they were there, they kick ass as well, but as far as creative force, as much as I know of them, the DeLeo brothers were really the driving force and are still the driving force behind the band. They're still at it. Um, and more on that later. And uh, Wyland, his ability to... Uh, experiment with his voice and stretch his voice and take it places where it hadn't gone before and just do it so incredibly well and dynamically and effectively, convincingly was really what to me made them, I think, unsung heroes of that era, a band that doesn't get a lot of talk today. And I feel like they should because they were, to me, I always used to say they were the guess who of the 90s. You know, because the guess who band, you know, late 60s and the 70s um, had tremendous number of hits that were kind of, you know, rock with some power pop elements in some ways. They stretched into different genres and stuff like that. But they were never quite as big as some of the other bands of that era. And to this day, you'll hear a guess who song here and there. I covered a guess who song. Um... And, and just heard a, another cover of that same song 
um, New Mother Nature, No Sugar Tonight by um, a reggae artist that was freaking incredible as well from way back then. And uh, they have kind of fallen through the cracks in some ways historically, although thankfully more people are remembering them. I'm hoping the same thing happens with Stone Temple Pilots in that, of course, please give props to Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and anyone else you want, a mother love bone, you know, any of that stuff, because I do, and it's incredible, and I will talk about them at some point too. Uh, but don't forget Stone Temple Pilots. Please don't forget them. A listen to, in fact, and I'll get there in a second, um, so anyway, they released Shangri-La Dada uh, shortly uh, after number four. And the song off of that, unfortunately, uh, I don't recall. But I remember it being a pretty good album. In the same way, Smashing Pumpkins, another great grunge band that evolved and still had hits into the late 90s. You know, and then they broke up. Now, this was the actually, was this late? I think this was the early O's, I want to say. Early O's. Um, I should be able to tell you, right? Because this thing is right here in my hand. And hand, I say the word hand like that. Yeah, 2001, so sorry, yeah. Into the early O's, I mean, not many other grunge bands were able to do that. Right? They kept doing hits because of the DeLeo brothers, because Wyland was able to, you know, donate essentially his creativity vocally and lyrically, uh, even through all his struggles. Um, but as I was saying, if you don't know this, if you don't know that Stone Devil Pilots are a band worth listening to, pick up this album here. I'm holding up for you listeners, the album Thank You from 2003, which is their hits collection up to that point. And I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, list them. Vaseline, Down, Wicked Garden, Big Empty, Plush, Big Bang Baby, Creep, Lady Picture, So Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart, Interstate Love Song, I forgot that one. All in the suit that you wear, sex type thing, days of the week, sour girl, plush. And no, that is not, there, there are many more great songs by them, but this is, a, and I mean, put this on, you know, this playlist on, or however you listen to music, in, in a car while you're driving, or while you're commuting, or whatever, and listen through and tell me that they didn't, they, they're not worthy of more attention and recognition, you know, historically speaking. Um, and today, why not, right? Uh, you know I'm a fan of bands that stick it out even after their bigger heyday has come and gone because guess what? There's a chance that they could come back. It happened to you too over and over where people thought, okay, they, they had their hits, they're done. And then the early 90s came. They had another big, yeah, okay, that was it. And then the late 90s, early O's coming. Oh, you know, beautiful day. And it just keeps happening. You know, it doesn't happen with every band. But so what? The fact that they're still out there, the same way that Alice in Chains are still out there, shows that it's, it's, it's about the music. And it's about the people involved in the music and wanting to continue to contribute that music to the world, you know, and create that and, and put it out. Um, which Stone Temple Pilots did, even though they broke up, before the, this album, Thank You, uh, right around that time. And uh, Wyland went on to co-form the band Velvet Revolver with uh, some people from uh, Guns N' Roses and somebody else, I think, um, put out a couple albums which were, which were pretty good. There's some good stuff on there. Um, and I'll talk about that uh, at a certain point as well. 
And then that kind of ran its course, although Wyland was in several other bands and, and helped to form several other bands, uh, some of which did record their material. Back in, in 2010, they recorded an album just titled Stone Temple Pilots, which was damn good and was a, was a period in which they were thinking about reforming and, you know... They even through the the you know 2011 12 early teens they were talking about getting back together and doing some more things and then if you know anything about this history you understand why that didn't happen and why Stone Temple Pilots are Death is Dumb Volume Two in that Scott Weiland uh, who had struggled uh, with drug addiction his entire life died overdosed in 2015 at the age of 48. You know, not 27, not that magic number. We lose so many people, you know, musicians, uh, which I'll talk about that at some point. But uh, 48 isn't old, you know, and they were still at it and still getting ready to do more music, you know, and he's a family and all of that. It, it's tragedy no matter how you slice it. And death is dumb, you know, um, that is, a, that is a mental illness, an emotional illness, as much as it is a physical illness, drug addiction. And he tried over and over to kick it, you know, and couldn't do it. And so, you know, we'll never have his voice in the world again. And uh, that kind of thing gets me. Because even though Stone Temple Pilots are still at it, they uh, replaced Wyland before he died because he was, you know, he had he was fired because of his drug issues. They couldn't, you know, function as a as an entity as a as a band with Chester Bennington, who was on hiatus, I guess, from Lincoln Park. And if you know anything about that band, you know that Chester Bennington is now dead. And after he died, they replaced him with a guy named Jeff Goot and recorded two albums with him that I have not heard yet, but we'll be listening to very, very soon. They're on my listening list. And so why are they still at it after Wyland's death? It's because of the, the DeLeo brothers. It's, it's because they started the whole thing. They're the driving force behind it. They deserve more recognition than they've gotten. Not that Wyland doesn't deserve all the praise he's gotten as well. And... In they you know released an album as recently as 2020, his last year, which yeah they're still at it. They probably would have toured if touring had existed last year. And again, yes, credit to the DeLeo brothers and to that band for soldiering on. And uh, I hope that the two albums that I haven't heard yet are as good as the rest of this stuff. And I imagine a lot of it will be. Um, and uh, I think I may have actually heard the one that they released in, I want to say, 2018, uh, you know, way back. But I stopped buying CDs, as you can see, around 2011. So I don't have it here. Uh, that was also titled Stone Temple Pilots. It was a reinvention, I guess. In 2020, their album was titled Perdita. Just uh, for your information. Um, but despite that, or, you know, it, along with the DeLeo brothers deserving that recognition, Really, it was Wyland who brought this band home for me. And it's because of what he did with his voice. Um, talked to a friend once. I interviewed her, actually. She was my second interview in my series. And I asked her why she wasn't a fan of Rod Stewart. And I'm not passing judgment on that. And she said, it's his voice. And some people love Rod Stewart's voice. She does not. And very often, uh, some people can't listen to uh, The Cure, let's say. Or, you know, 
Just pick pick any any vocalist. If they're not your type of voice, doesn't matter how good the music is or what else you might have liked about the music. If the voice doesn't bring it home for you, you won't be into it. That's what Wyland did for me. He not only did that, he helped he helped me uh, transition my own voice at the time because I had started as a jazz, musical theater, and pop singer, uh, taught myself and through working with bands and stuff to sing rock music and, 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 and grunge and punk and all of that stuff and blues. And at that time, uh, a lot of my vocals were kind of stuck in that, you know, uh, grunge range, that full-throated singing voice that you needed to have. And... Um, fine, you know, there's a song of mine called Away, which I put a link to where you can hear that uh, in, in some of the wailing parts of that song. But when, you know, Wyland and other artists, but particularly Wyland, I saw, I heard his voice morph and I was like, oh yeah, I need to come out of this depth. You know, I need to allow my voice to get more bright and dynamic and, 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 uh, not worry that that fullness of tone is how everything should be sung. You know, that's that's just not the case when you're dealing with pop and rock in particular. Uh, you can do whatever you want. Your voice is an instrument. It doesn't always have to have perfect production in terms of, uh, you know, classical training or operatic style and things like that and the way that a voice is used. You know, use it well. So you don't mess it up. But it can sound however you want it to sound. And when I, Wyland helped me realize that. And so listen to a song like Away. And then listen to the next song I put the, the link to, Some Things Happen. And you'll hear a huge difference. You can hear it's the same me, same voice, but you'll hear the difference. And and I believe among several others, uh, but maybe primarily, Wyland was the reason for that. Uh, because, yeah, I followed other singers who had completely different styles from grunge. But to have gone from that style into other styles showed that an evolution can occur not within one voice. And not only that, that it is acceptable for one artist, one band, to have a singer who can do whatever they want with their voice. Not every song has to sound like plush or creep. You know, it can sound however that's the, the service of the song and the lyrics and the, and the, and the, the emotion of it and what, just whatever the hell the lead singer wants to do. So, you know... Death is dumb, goddammit, and thank you, Wyland, and uh, thank you, Stone Temple Pilots. Um, please listen to them, and please listen to the two links that I put down there. Do you even know them? Do you, do, do you remember them? Have you listened to them recently? Did you listen to them back then? Do you remember any of their hits? Uh, were you also surprised, if you followed them, by how much they changed through the 90s? How they morphed in kind of in a, in a similar but different way to, to how uh, Smashing Pumpkins morphed? you know, and in a very different way to how uh, Pearl Jam morphed. What did you think of Wyland? How, what did you think of his voice? Do you remember when his voice kind of shifted and he, and he showed that he could do more than just that, you know, big kind of big grunge singing? Um, do you know anything about the other bands he fronted? I know Velvet Revolver. I don't know much about the other couple uh, ones. Uh, you know, some of them were kind of uh, uh, superstar bands, uh, people from other bands who came together to form a band because Restless Dude loved music, just wanted to keep creating no matter how, even through all of his struggles, which I find valiant, you know, 
He could have retired after the first couple of albums, but no, he didn't. Um, anyway, I want to know what you think of all this. I want to know uh, how you feel about that or if there's some other grunge band or someone from that era or a different era who died who still devastates you. So that's what this part of this series, this mini-series, Death is Dumb, is about, is to share in that. That it's important enough for us to honor these people and, and say that even somebody we don't know, it can hurt when they die. Uh, thank you for listening and for watching and for clicking and sharing and for subscribing and for everything that you do here every week and for answering and for commenting because as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. I'll see you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.